This is a throwdown, a showdown. Hell no, Rob Faye Nation can't slow down. It's gonna go. What is going on? I'm Rob Faye. Welcome to your Wednesday edition of Sports Bar Radio. It is the 20th day of October, and I hope this podcast finds you well. Hey, Vancouver Ducks coming off a tough loss last night in Buffalo. It is their second straight defeat against a team that many of us think they probably should beat if this team's really going to be this team. But before we get to the Canucks, let's get into everything going on in the world of sport. We're going to talk CFL, NFL, Major League Baseball. We're going to take you even to the world of soccer before everything's said and done. Yes, even I am broadening my horizons but more than anything we got that one story that rises above all the rest that one story that by the time you've heard it has either got you disagreeing with me or nodding your head saying Faye you're the guy so let me get you to that one story that we call the lead we've scoured the globe for the stories that matter to you Okay, well, let's be honest, Rob picks most of the stories, so maybe they matter more to him? Anyways, pull up a chair and let our bartender pour you a cold one because there's a lot going on in your world today. All right, I know he is the one player within the Vancouver Canucks organization that has walked around with a Teflon jersey for the first couple of seasons, but there is no doubt at this point through four games of the NHL season, Elias Pettersson is not producing. He is not producing. I know what you're going to say. You're going to cut me off at the pass, and you're going to say, well, he was late to training camp. It's going to take him an extra couple of games to get up to speed. That is not my problem. That is not the Canucks regular season problem. You want to hold out for the big money, that's fine. But you better be ready to play come opening night. Now, I'm going to throw some stats at you here, and I know over the first two games you're going to be like, well, what are you trying to say here? He had six shots on goal against Edmonton in 23-plus minutes of ice time. No goals, no assists, but at least he was putting the puck on the net. I can live with that. Against Philadelphia in 23-and-a-half minutes of ice time. A goal and an assist. He had six shots on goal, and yeah, he was producing. But the last two games, there is a problem. Against Detroit in more than 22 minutes of ice time, one shot on goal. Against Buffalo in 20 minutes of ice time, two shots on goal. So in the last 42 minutes of play, Elias Pettersson pointless, but with three shots on goal. This is your $7 million a year star. And he's got three shots on goal in the last 42 minutes of ice time. That's not good enough. I mean, if you really want to pull the lens back and add those 12 shots from the first two games, cool, you can do that. In other words, he's got 15 shots on goal with just one marker in more than an hour and a half of ice time. There has to be something said for Elias Pettersson not being able to find the back of the net. Again, I'm not asking him to score two goals a game, but one goal and one assist in four games with that much ice time is inexcusable. It has to get better. I don't care that they're on the road. I don't care that he was late to training camp. This isn't a guy that's breaking into the NHL. He knows the pace of the game. He shouldn't be ready to go. And he is your marquee forward. So what do you do? The answer is simple. You just keep on rolling him out there until he can get it right. Until he can start to find his, what, confidence? I guess. Until he can finally shake off the early cobwebs of the season? See, the problem that I have here, and again, this is not a knock on him as a person, but as a player, 
if you are holding out, and people will say, well, he was working with Jack Hughes. This guy was putting him through the paces. It's not the same. And I've always been a big believer that you can still show up to camp and get a deal done. You don't have to, quote, hold out. Like, the reality is right now is Elias Pettersson, with everything that he is doing, is chomping up a ton of ice time and not being productive. That can't happen for a guy in his tax bracket now. He's no longer on that entry-level contract. He's making the big bucks. He has to produce. And you're saying, well, Rob, it's four games. Take it off the gas pedal a little bit. And that's fine. But when your marquee guy isn't contributing, now all of a sudden the pressure is being put on the other players. And they can't produce. You want to know why the Vancouver Canucks are 1-2-1 and one to start the season? It's because they're getting beat. Very rarely have they been the better team so far this season. Sure, they can put pucks on net. And sure, they can be competitive and get games to shootouts. But you have to win. And people will say, listen, Rob, it's early. They've got three of a possible eight points. And all of these games have been on the road. Ask the Vancouver Canucks at the end of the season if they miss the postseason by one or two games where they could have made up those points. Somewhere early on are a couple of games where you could have looked back and said, you know, if they could have won just that one. You have to, as a Canuck fan, be a little concerned. And I'm not saying that you have to be all over Elias Pettersson, but there is no player that you can magnify more and say, we need more. Like, we need more from Elias Pettersson. And that's okay to say as a fan. That's okay to look at the golden child and be like, as great as it is, and as much as we supported you holding back and getting your money, now it's time to get to work, and now it's time to produce. You can't have 22 minutes of ice time and have one shot on goal. You can't, the next game, have 20 minutes of ice time and have two shots on goal. You're the star player. You need to put pucks on net. You have to just keep on shooting. Shoot your way out of these early doldrums, but get the puck on the net. I think that's a fair ask. I really do. We keep looking for scapegoats, and we keep looking for guys that we could blame the slow start on. I'm not here to blame any one person, but if there's one person that I would look at and be like, kind of be nice if you could get it going right now, it'd be EP40. All right, let's get to the rest of the news of the day. There's so many things going on. We're going to talk NFL. We're going to talk Canadian Football League. Uh, we're going to talk about a little bit of everything here. We've got that one room in this sports bar. It's right over my right shoulder where we have everything housed in that one small area. We get you up to date in everything going on in the world of sports. Let me get you to the VIP room. You knew tonight was going to be a good night, didn't you? Guys, the ladies don't want you wasting their time, so get to the point. 10 topics, 10 minutes. Hold on to your drinks because we're about to bring you the entire world of sports before the DJ can pull out the vinyl for his next set. Welcome to the VIP room. Okay, want to start in the National Basketball Association because the Toronto Raptors start their season tonight as they get ready to take on the Washington Wizards. This roster without Kyle Lowry is a really interesting one because you do have players like Goran Dragic, Haskell Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., and even Malachi Flynn if you want to stretch it out a little bit. But there is no star, quote-unquote, on this team. You can say that there's a lot of pretty good B-plus players, maybe even a couple of Bs in the mix, but there is nobody that anybody would physically say, I gotta see that game when this Toronto Raptors team comes to my town because I want to see blank. And yet the Raptors are getting ready for the, quote, resurgence in the Atlantic division that has a number of teams that are looking to get over the hump, including Philadelphia, Brooklyn, the Nets, and Boston. Toronto's in tough, and that's before you even pull the lens back and include the Central, which has Milwaukee, Chicago. It's going to be tough 
for the Raptors to make the playoffs. Because when you look at their roster, the one thing that I will say is there is talent. Don't get me wrong, I'm not trying to say that this is a bunch of scrubs. But at the same time, you've built a roster where everybody is going to have to have a career season in order to make a dent in the Eastern Conference. Like right out of the gate, let's get to the two big guys. Fred Van Vliet's going to have to have a bounce back season. Pascal Siakam's going to have to find his second win because he looked porous a season ago. And Goran Dragic, the guard from Yugoslavia, first game as a Raptor after five seasons with the Miami Heat, where he's coming off a career low in points per game at 13.4 and a career low in assists at just under four and a half per game. So what are the Toronto Raptors? To me, the Raptors are a team that is going to have to find that perfect storm where three to four players have career seasons just to get into the postseason. Or if they can't get out of the pack within the first 35 to 40 games, they become a contending team's wish list. There's three to four guys on this team that a competitive championship caliber team would look at and be like, hmm, I would take a look at him. For example, Pascal Siakam. As lofty as that contract is, it's still movable. Fred Van Vliet would obviously, even with his new deal, be an asset to a number of teams. And could Goran Dragic, even though he has just started his tenure with the Toronto Raptors, also be that one-and-done player? Again, for the Raptors, today, hope springs eternal. No wins, no losses, getting ready to take on the Wiz, and away they go. But if this team does not find themselves above the playoff bar by about the 30th game of the season, you can bet your ass that there's going to be four to five teams calling, knocking, seeing which of those leaves will fall from the tree first. I got to think that the Toronto Raptors are in the midst of a big rebuild right now. Fans don't want to let go of what happened a couple of years ago, but there's no doubt about it. There's no star power on this team. There's a lot of good players, but if you want to take this to the next level, you're going to probably have to take a step back before you can take a couple of steps forward, even in the Eastern Conference. So with it being the 75th anniversary of the National Basketball Association, they are doing the, quote, NBA 75 team. And legends, of course, will make up a large portion of this list. But the first 25 were announced, and it included Canadian Steve Nash. Nash joining the likes of David Robinson, Dr. J, John Stockton, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Hakeem Olajuwon. Uh, if you really want to get into it, James Harden, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Oscar Robinson and Dirk Nowitzki, who was his teammate for a number of years, but Steve Nash amongst the 75 greatest players in the history of the NBA. Never forget the amount of doors that that man has opened for Canadian basketball and to give this country the credibility that it had long been searching for. Fantastic to see. Now, which team do I think will have the biggest bounce back season? I'm going to say this right at the beginning of the season, and you can hold me to it however you want. I'm going to tell you right now, bounce back team this year is going to be the Golden State Warriors. I think that Andrew Wiggins is going to have a good season. I think Draymond's going to be tough on the glass again. Steph Curry's going to do his thing. Andre Iguodala's going to have a little magic left in that tank. And should they be able to get one more piece, I think they're going to be formidable. They did win their opener over the Los Angeles Lakers, which is saying something. Steph Curry with a game-high 21 for the Warriors. LeBron with 34 in a losing cause for the gold and purple. But really quickly, looking at the box score for the Lakers, LeBron with 34, Anthony Davis with 33, Russell Westbrook in more than 35 minutes on the court, 8 points. He was a minus 23 when on the floor for the Lakers. Carmelo in his debut with just 9. I'm telling you right now, that's a great team if it was 2015. 
Okay, getting ready for Week 7 in the National Football League. Couple of updates on the injury front. The Cleveland Browns are going to start Case Keenum at quarterback against the Denver Broncos. That is the early game this week. Baker Mayfield still dealing with that torn labrum in his non-throwing shoulder. Uh, Bengals' Joe Burrow still dealing with the effects of a throat contusion. As Cincinnati gets ready for a big showdown against the Baltimore Ravens, he did not participate in Wednesday's media availability because of these lingering effects. Team doctors advising the quarterback to stay on voice rest because of the soreness in his throat. Now, it looks like he will play on Sunday. And his coach Zach Taylor saying that he wasn't aware of any other restrictions Burrow will have to have because of the voice rest outside of skipping media availabilities because of those doctor's orders. Well, the big games this week, there's a bunch of them. Chiefs back to 503 and 3, getting ready to take on the Titans. This is going to be a great matchup. Kansas City favored at minus 5.5. Over under on that game is 57.5. Raiders will host the Eagles. Raiders at 4 and 2. Winners in their first game without John Gruden, looking to build on that. If they can get to 5 and 2 in the AFC West, they are still a part of this conversation. A lot of people still calling the Raiders pretenders, despite Derek Carr's nearly 2,000 yards already this season. Rams 5-1 hosting the 0-6 Lions. This looks like a slaughter, but the Rams are 15-point favorites in this game. Got to wonder if Jared Goff and company can actually hold the fort and keep them to within 15. I don't know if I want to put money on this one. Buccaneers 5-1 getting ready to host the 3-3 Bears. Tom Brady, who's got more than 2,000 yards already. Tampa Bay 13-point favorites in this game. J.J. Watt will face his old team for the first time. The 6-0 Cardinals will host the Houston Texans. Texans at 1-5. Cardinals are perfect at 6-0. And the Monday Nighter coming up. The Seahawks at 2-4 this season getting ready to take on the Saints at 3-2. In addition to the injury bug biting Russell Wilson, the Seahawks working out a couple of different running backs right now as Chris Carson's on the IR with a neck injury. Rashad Penny simply coming off the injured reserve this week. Free agent running backs B.J. Emmons and Dexter Williams were with the Seahawks today getting some reps as they try to figure out their running game in advance of the Monday Nighter. While Canadian Football League getting ready for their weekend affairs, Toronto and Montreal will do the deed on Friday night. Toronto atop the East Division at 6-3, Montreal just a game back at 5-4. Those are the two top teams in the East Division. Ottawa coming off a 27-16 loss to the Alouettes, getting ready to go to Hamilton to try to get back on the right side of the winning ledger. And the Winnipeg Blue Bombers going to host the BC Lions. Lions got thumped at home, losing 39-10 to the Stampeders. Speaking of the Stamps, they are at home getting ready to take on the Rough Riders of Saskatchewan, who are coming off a bye week. BC Lions at 4-5 through the first half of the season, fourth in the West Division, but with a win over Winnipeg, could, if everything works their way, vault themselves into third and make themselves a part of the conversation. Good news for the BC Lions, despite the sub-500 record, they are just two points back of both Saskatchewan and Calgary for second in the West Division. By the way, BC 1-4 and four at home in 2021. Well, some baseball for you tonight, and boy, these series have been fantastic, haven't they? Two walk-off wins for the Atlanta Braves as they lead the Dodgers in that best-of-seven series, a National League Championship Series, getting ready to play Game 4 tonight. Atlanta, not sure who they're going to pitch as of this conversation. Jose Arias with an ERA of 18, the lefty getting the ball for the Dodgers in Game 4 at Chavez Ravine. American League Championship Series all knotted up at 2. Chris Sale getting the ball in Boston for the Red Sox. He's opposite Framber Valdez who had 125 strikeouts this season and an 11-6 record, but in the postseason has an ERA well above 7. 
Names to circle in this series? Well, what more can you say about Kiki Hernandez in the top spot for Boston, hitting 463 at leadoff, five home runs and nine RBIs. I mean, this is an unbelievable ride for Kiki Hernandez. There are 21 home runs already in the starting nine for the Boston offense. They have been hitting the ball a ton. Who's hot for the Astros? Well, Carlos Correa hitting 367 with 5 RBI. But the man that you might want to circle if you've uh, got a little money to spare, Kyle Tucker. He's hitting 281 with 3 home runs and an incredible 12 RBI this postseason for the Astros. That game set to go at just over 2 o'clock here on the West Coast. The late one has the 5 o'clock special between the Dodgers and the Braves. On the PGA Tour this week, they're over in Japan playing the Zozo Championship minus Tiger Woods. Uh, Woods won this two years ago, but of course still coming back from his car injury. Suffered a, uh, just over a year ago. The purse just shy of $10 million. But even without Woods, the field is still loaded. Keegan Bradley, Ricky Fowler, Xander Shifley, Andrew Putnam, and James Hahn. Defending champion Patrick Cantley walked out with the championship last year and a purse of $1.4 million. Rory McIlroy, who's coming off that CJ Cup championship, is not in the field this week. LPGA over in Korea as they get ready for the LPGA International Busan. Hana Jang looking to reclaim her title at the upcoming tournament. Well, tickets for Canada's upcoming World Qualifier in November at Edmonton's Commonwealth Stadium going on sale this coming Friday. Canada getting ready to take on Costa Rica on November the 12th and then Mexico on November the 16th. Without question, it is a homecoming for the team star player Alfonso Davies, born in Ghana but grew up in Edmonton before reaching his heights of world soccer stardom. The Bayern Munich left back scoring an impressive goal against Panama in Canada's 4-1 win in Toronto earlier this month. I don't know how soccer at this level is going to play in Edmonton in November, but Canada right now riding high. Third in the CONCACAF qualifiers behind Mexico and the United States. The top three teams do qualify for the 2022 World Cup in Qatar, and the fourth-place team will enter a playoff round. Fingers crossed that Alfonso can do something special in front of his hometown crowd. All right, that wraps it up. Another edition of Sports Bar Radio. You are completely up-to-date in the world of sports. Let's get together again and make sure that we can do this on a daily basis. I will be back here tomorrow afternoon. Looking forward to having you join me. And uh, again, my thanks to everybody behind the scenes. Jay Swing, producer extraordinaire. Thank you for everything that you do. And to everybody over at Equity Guru. Chris Perry, who I know is out of town right now on the East Coast. Thank you for this opportunity. If you're checking in, my thanks to Galen and the irreplaceable Priscilla Choi. Until you and I meet each other just hours from now, I'm Rob Fay, and you've been listening to Sports Bar Radio, presented to you as always by Equity Guru. Have yourself a great afternoon. Sports Bar Radio was brought to you by Equity Guru, investment information for the new generation. Visit us at equity.guru and let's make some money together. Please note, any mention of companies on this podcast is part of a promotional campaign, and the information you hear should be a part of extensive due diligence. As well, always get advice from an accredited financial advisor before you make any investment decision. Protect yourself.